I'm Laura Green. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show that brings you the best in sapphic fiction. Join me as I chat with authors, narrators, and friends who share my love for the genre. You will learn things you didn't know about your favorites and get some suggestions for your next read. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. Today's guest writes characters that never fail to find a place in my heart, and I'm thrilled to speak with her today. MJ Duncan, welcome, and thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Your last release, Sunny and Bright, was your second Christmas novella. What do you like about writing a Christmas story, and what is the best Christmas gift you've ever received? I like the Christmas shorts because they're short. I tend to be a little long-winded, so um, I like being able to just kind of pick it up and and sprint it straight to the end and just, you know, kind of spike that story and be done with it. But, you know, it's fun trying to find something about the holiday vibe and the spirit and to kind of play with and spin into something that's at least a little, hopefully, entertaining. So I did the Christmas market with Sandy and Bright or the whole Secret Santa idea with Operation Secret Santa. And it's just, you know, it's the little things that I think that make the holiday. And so it's fun to look at those and use those to make a story. Honestly, I like giving gifts more than I like getting them. I like watching people's faces when you find like that. Sometimes it's a stupid little thing, but you know that it's just going to make them smile and make their whole day. And that's what I like more than honestly getting stuff. Yeah, I'm the same way. Now, I'm not going to say I don't like a good gift here and there, but... When you give someone a great gift and they open it and their face just lights up, you're like, yep. Yeah. I mean, you can't I beat won that. Christmas. Nope, not at all. The Symphony series is one of my favorites. I reread them recently and fell in love with Nina and Clara all over again. What inspired that series and who would you cast in a movie to play Nina and Clara, Mallory and Addison, and Dana and Gwen? It's going to be a long movie. Yeah. <laughs> God, that would be like, what, probably at least four films. Symphony in Blue started with the idea of the opening kind of meet cute scene where Reagan goes all Buddy the Elf on the elevator panel. And then yeah. <laughs> um, everything just kind of snowball spiraled out from there for Pas de Deux. It was more, I liked, I don't know what made me think of it, but just the image of the ballerina and the violinist dancing and the way they can move together and the music and the dance and all of that. And that visual just really grabbed me. And then it was, well, how the hell do I spin this into a story? <laughs> and so that I kind of looked back at Symphony to where, you know, nobody's ever the villain in their own story. Mal was not the best. She wasn't painted in the best light in Symphony in Blue. And, you know, yeah, she kind of deserved it. But their whole... Mal and Gwen, they were dead in the water before that story started. Mm -hmm. And that story was really more about finding a way to let go of something that's not working and to move on to something that is. And, you know, the things that we give up and we gain in the process of doing that. And so I liked the idea of, I don't really want to say redeeming Mallory, but kind of redeeming her and showing that like, yeah, she wasn't the best, but... She had her reasons for why she was doing what she was doing and to give her a shot at her happily ever after. And then that spun into evolution just because I honestly didn't expect Nina and Clara to grab me like they did. I had so much fun with the little snippets that I snuck in with them 
that I was like, I got to do more with them. And so because Nina did kind of craft that ballet as her love letter to Clara, I liked the idea of, well, let's let's look at this from that side and the development of this and the production of this ballet, this giant production from their history and the way they're coming at it together. And honestly, I think out of everything, that's probably the story I'm the most proud of still, just because I really, I sound old when I say it, but it's like, there's so (laughs) much history that kids these days are lucky enough to not have to know, and they didn't have to live through it. And I think it's a hopeful story and that, you know, you can still find your way to yourself no matter when it is. So yeah, that was evolution. And then casting. Oh, I mean, (laughs) I hate this just because it's like, I'm going to be saying this is who I think. And then somebody's going to be like, no, you are wrong. For Gwen, I'd probably have to go Katie McGrath. She's got that kind of brooding quality to her. Like, that little bit, like, I just, I think she could work. Dana was actually, when I was writing her, was kind of headcanoned off of Dara Torres, who was an Olympian in the 80s, 90s. And then she came back again at 41 in like 2000 or something. But I think, oh, what's her name? Tori Anderson from NCIS Hawaii. Whistler. I think Whistler would be a good Dana. Mallory, I had always pictured her as Natalie Dormer. Just kind of that cool, collected, little aloof, very British, Addy, more fun. I don't know. I think Kendrick would be great for her. Anna Kendrick. Oh, yeah. She could be a really fun Addy. Nina, I'm going to go Rachel Weiss. I think she could fill that role pretty well. And then in my head, I think Mako Mori from Pacific Rim is a really, that. that's kind of what Clara looks like to me. The... I don't know the actress's real name, but yeah, that character from Pacific Rim, Mako Mori, that's that's Clara. Very nice. Great movie. We should get this going. Can you give us a sneak peek of your next book and when you expect to release it? Oh, the next one. That would be Symphony Verse number four. It's called Engard. As for when it will drop, I'm really, 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 really trying my best to hit my usual by the end of spring window, this one's a beast. I mean, it's, it's an, I'm saying that coming from me. I've still got two and a half chapters left to go. This thing's already pushing 175,000 words. I mean, it's, it's, it's two novels in length, but yeah, I edit as I go along with my betas and everything else. And so it basically needs like one push through for just consistency. And then another push through for cleaning it up. And then, yeah, I'm thinking I could probably still hit that before summer window. What's it about? It's in the London symphony verse. It's another ballet. As the name suggests, they're swords. Cause you know, I haven't done sword lesbians and I just, <laughs> I want to do sword lesbians, but one of the mains is Serena Bowers, who you might remember is Nina's assistant from evolution. And I mean, she got a lot more screen time there. But yeah, it's it's Serena's Happily Ever After. An old, oh, how to spoil without spoiling. An old foe comes into her life. And there's, there's sparks in not really the best kind to start off with. But I mean, this is me. So they find their way past that. And then there's different kinds of sparks. Ah, very nice. 
And yeah, we definitely need more sword lesbian books. I've been saying that for years. Right? I mean, swords are just fun. Right. Super hot, too. Speaking of super hot, last year's Halcyon Nights has over a thousand ratings on Amazon. It's one very, very sexy book. How easy is it for you to write sex scenes? Depends on the day. (laughs) I mean, before I got into, quote, real books, I wrote quite a lot of fic. And I don't think I'd be stepping outside my box saying I developed a little bit of a reputation there for what kind of fic I liked to write. It's fun. But I mean, for the difficulty of it, let's let's be real. Sex is sex. It's pick your elements in play and let's go. <laughs> so the hard part is the setting and the feelings and the emotions and the everything else that really makes a good scene a good scene. Because I mean, you can just have them banging each other. And, you know, that can be fun. And there's a place for that. But I like to use the scenes to kind of progress them, the the couple along in their little arc, just even if it's just a vulnerability here, or, you know, oh, look, they're getting a little deeper there, like whatever it is. I think sex is fun. The sex scenes are fun just for the sake of, I mean, their sex scenes. But I like to use them as an element in the story arc, because if if it's a romance story, that can be a fairly significant part of their arc. I don't mind writing them. I enjoy writing them. Well, we enjoy reading them. Which of your couples do you miss the most? Honestly, I, I think I'd have to go back to Spectrum and Bryn and Anna. That's one of my earlier books, so I don't know how much traction that one's had, but And it's funny because out of everybody, they are a couple that I have never once really considered going back and revisiting. I think I did their story well, and I think it wrapped up to where it needed to be in that book. But I gave a lot of my own kind of queer come to Jesus arc, we'll say, to Bryn. And so it's just because of that, I just... Bryn and and Anna, by extension, are just, they're always going to kind of have that little place in my heart. Who's your favorite supporting character from one of your books? Okay, this is like asking which child I love the most. (laughs) I love all my supporting characters. The mains are fun and they're hot and they're sexy, but like there's plot and there's responsibility and there's dots you have to connect. And the supportings, they can be whatever the hell I want them to be. (laughs) So they're usually a little out there. They're either out there or like super grounded. I like the ones that are out there just because it's fun to get that kind of comedy foil. So I don't know. Can I just say all of them or like pick the dog? Sure you can. Uh, Yeah, the dog from Halcyon Nights, my favorite. She's a chattier version of my Malamute. So she's so intuitive that dog was. She was fun. She really, she did a lot. She did a lot of the heavy lifting in that story. How old were you when you discovered a love for writing and what were your first stories about? Oh God, probably when I realized that I could write stories is when I discovered that I liked it. I remember being in like elementary school and writing these like totally Mary Sue, Trixie Belden, Nancy Drew kind of mashup mystery stories. The first stories that I actually shared were again fan fiction and uh it was for the hollow series kim harrison's hollow series because i just i read those books and god i wanted those fictional idiots to kiss and they were not kissing (laughs) and i had to figure out a way to make that happen and then that 
you know, by that time I, I graduated college, I was an adult, 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 but it was a fun way to get back into what I had always loved. And then it just kind of spiraled outward from there into this. Are there any other genres you'd like to write in? Say maybe write a mystery or a science fiction thriller or well, swords. Er You've got swords going. I got swords. Urban fantasy. I actually, I have a story mostly mapped out. I just, I don't know when I would have the time to do it if I was to hold to my, okay, once a year contemporary romance release schedule. I, I don't know when I would have the time to fit that one in. But urban fantasy, science fiction fantasy, all that, that, that is actually the genre I read the most. And I think it would be a real kick in the butt to be able to do that. It's time. I only have so much time. So, and you know, I don't know if I kind of have my little niche here and what I do. And I don't know if that would necessarily cross paths in the right way. So yeah. the idea of going off and say, taking a year and doing something so different and then having it just absolutely flop and kill my ego and crush my dreams. And <laughs> it, it, it's a, you know, it's a kind of a scary proposition. You live in Minnesota. What outdoor activities do you enjoy and what makes Minnesota special to you? Oh, God. You live here, you learn to like all outdoor activities because we hibernate in the winter. I'm actually, when I'm done with this, I got to get ready. We're supposed to get two feet of snow. Oh, boy. As soon as the weather gets nice, we're outside hiking, walking the dogs. The dogs love to hike. And then when it warms up, paddle boarding, kayaking. I play a lot of disc golf in the summer when my knee lets me do it. I got a bad knee. There's limits to how much activity I could do in a day. But yeah, I mean, if the weather's nice, it's hard to keep keep me inside. I know. We When it gets warm, we're out there. I've never done disc golf, though. Oh, it's fun. You should give that a try. Is it? Yeah. It kind of looks fun. It's fun. It's like, I, I call it hiking with Frisbees. Very nice. My kids call it whack fuck because you throw the disc, it hits the tree, whack, and then you yell. <laughs> but... It's a relatively inexpensive sport to start. And then a lot of the courses are free to go play. They're just in parks. And so it's just, it's a fun way to get outside. Oh, maybe I'll have to do that. The park by my house has that. There you go. Yeah. What are a few of your biggest pet peeves? Oh, God. <laughs> I think it all boils, every single one probably boils down to being rude. People talking on their phones in the checkout line, just, I just want to smack that thing out of their hand. People who show up late. I was raised that 15 minutes early is on time and on time is late. Um, yep. So I am habitually sitting in my car, just playing on my phone, waiting until it's, you know, the right time to go in. But if there's a chance I'll be like only five minutes early, my anxiety kicks up and I'm freaking out and I'm rushing out the door. And it's just, I like being early. And probably what you see, what we see a lot on the trails uh, is like people who don't pick up after their dogs, which again, oh, I hate that. It just, it's just rude. So it, everything just kind of cycles back to don't be a menace to society, I guess. We had a, a guy who walked around our neighborhood and he would let his dog shadoob in our yard and not pick it up. Oh, geez. And my partner went out there and gave him an ash chewing. And I was one super impressed because I would have just been like, oh, bitching about it, but not ever saying anything. Yeah, that would be me. But now he picks up his shit. I'll tell you that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Who are your three biggest celebrity crushes? Oh, God. That kind of changes by the day and what I'm watching. I'll tell you what. Hannah Waddington's caught my eye. 
she is just my girl. She's just lovely. So well spoken. She can sing. She's gorgeous. She's hilarious. I mean, just so tall. You just want to climb her like a tree. Yeah, and I'm five four, so I would need to. <laughs> and then I don't kind of Kate Blanchett. I mean, always that woman knows how to wear a suit, and I can appreciate that. Little baby gay me would probably say Callista Flockhart because. <laughs> God, I had the biggest crush on her and Allie McBeal. Um, and then she came back as Cat Grant and it was just like, oh yeah, that's right. So I, I guess she should get an honorable mention there. Always. I think she should. And she's married to Harrison Ford. And Oh, cool. and the way she just takes shots at him is great. I know, right? If you could have any animal as a pet and you wouldn't have to worry about it hurting you, what kind of pet would you have? Can I just say more dogs? I mean, honestly, my dream would be like I see the videos on like Instagram or whatever, that guy with the Asher house. And he's just got like, what, 200 acres or something and like 80 million dogs just running around. And that sounds like (laughs) heaven. I don't know. I don't know if they could actually hurt me. But I whenever I would go to the zoo, I would always sit and watch the otters. I always liked the otters. I like the water. So I don't know. I mean, they got sharp little teeth. They might attack me. Um, But yeah, maybe they're so cute, though. Yeah, I used to go and watch the sea lions swim around because they're just cute. Yeah, see, I I grew up in Southern California surfing, and so sea lions can be a little bit of a menace. I remember one time <laughs> I was out in uh, Ventura, and we're all just sitting out there. It's mostly flat. And then all of a sudden you just see this fin pop up in the distance, and everybody freezes because, you know, you're in the ocean, and that's not what you want to be seeing. And so we're all just kind of, you know, picking up our feet, balancing on our boards and we're looking then all of a sudden the fin disappears and the sea lion pops up and swims off. And so basically, I swear the dude was just messing with us. But yeah, those guys can be their characters. See, and that's what I'd like. I have a pool. I can just stick them in there. There you go. Throw some yeah, fish out awesome. there. Right. Well, I'll charge people. They can come to my house and look at my sea lions. There you go. It's a business opportunity. I think so. What are your three favorite sapphic books of all time? Actually, they are three books at the moment, but I'll group them into one. I'm going to say the Lock Tomb Trilogy, Gideon the Ninth, Hera the Ninth, Nona the Ninth uh, right now. I cannot remember the last book, book, series, whatever, that just grabbed me like those. I absolutely geek out over Muir's writing style. It's just just the technicalities and the way she structures her sensitive. I just I just love these books. So, yeah, I'll, I'll group all of those as one. Another science fiction fantasy one, because uh, again, that that is my preferred genre. Priory of the Orange Tree. That's another. That's a beast of a book. I think I put that one down in a weekend. Um, oh wow, impressive. Yeah, you know, I like to think I can do slow burn, but I, I mean, that slow burn takes my slow burns and make it look weak. And then, oh god, last year, what was it? The Jasmine Throne. It's another fantasy one set in India-ish, because again, fantasy. Really just incredible world building, um, incredibly feminist. The way it approaches politics and power and everything else. It's just, I was on the edge of my seat like the whole stupid time. And then it ended and I was just like screaming because I had to wait for the next book. (laughs) That's when you know you've got a good book. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I can't recommend well, any of those enough, but I think the Lock Tomb and Priori, those those have gotten good traction. I don't know how much 
people who've read Jasmine Throne. But yeah, that one was incredible. We'll check it out. Jay, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. Great talking to you too. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again to MJ Duncan for joining me. You can follow MJ on Twitter at MJ underscore Duncan. And you can purchase her books on Amazon. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapphiclaura. Or join my Patreon at patreon.com slash sapphicbookreviewpod, where you can hear your favorite authors play Would You Rather. Here's a sample of this week's with MJ Duncan. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, happy reading. Would you rather spend the evening listening to Mallory play the violin or Gwen play the cello? Ooh, I love me a good cello, but I also love me a good violin. Uh, cello. Mm, I'd have to go Mallory with the violin. She's kind of got that kind of like ice queen thing. Oh, she absolutely does. And I kind of dig that. It's kind of hot for me. I just, I like just that throaty sound of a cello. Like it's just, yeah. Would you rather have more time or more money? Uh, Honestly, money. Because money can buy time. If you got more money, you can hire people to do the things that take up your time. And then that gives you more time. Exactly. And you could buy more socks. And I really like socks. And books. Oh, totally books.